If we're ready to get into the Word, if you've got your Bibles, get them out. Let's jump into the book of Malachi. You know, last week we talked about um, those many times where Jesus referred to uh, the, the present generation that he was in as, as a perverse one. So did Peter. On the day of Pentecost, he said, be saved from this wicked and perverse generation. And Paul said in the Philippians, he said, you're in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, but you shine like stars in the midst of it. It's a word that we don't quite uh, think of uh, like Jesus thought of it, you know, when he said, when they could not cast an evil spirit out of the boy, his disciples, and he had come down, and he said, you know, you wicked and perverted generation, how long must I be with you? We, none of us here would say that would be our first instinct when someone couldn't cast a spirit out to call them a pervert. That's not our, it's not what we would do. Because when we think perverse, we have a very narrow definition of perverse. We, we think in one segment, and that definitely is, I know where your head's going, that definitely is perverse, but perverse means twisted, crooked. And last week we talked about how God takes the crooked things and he makes them straight, and he is, in fact, making straight paths in our own hearts. And if we'll allow him, the crooked ways, remember what John said, what was said about John, rather, that he would come and the mountains would be leveled, the valleys would be lifted up, the crooked ways would be made straight, the rough paths would be made smooth, and a way would be prepared for the Lord. It's an amazing thought to me, and I know I've said this, but it's an amazing thought to me that Jesus would need a forerunner. Because we just say, well, of course, Jesus could come and preach and heal and, and, and prophesy, do whatever he does, and why would he need anyone to do something else? He's Jesus. Surely he's enough, and yet the scripture says, before the Messiah was to come, Elijah was to come. There had to be a prophet preparing the way of the Lord. We're going to read that promise, one of those promises. Of course, it says, it, there's a, a passage in Isaiah that we'll refer to, but there's this famous passage in Malachi, it's how the Old Testament ends. And if you look at how the Old Testament ends, the Old Testament ends telling us that he's going to send this prophet. And the New Testament begins chronologically with that prophet being born, John the Baptist. So in, in the end of Malachi, and we'll turn there in your Bibles, right at the end of the Old Testament, the last words in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, and uh, we'll start with verse 2. Of course, verse 1 is important as well. He's talking about this day of judgment, this day of the Lord. But then in verse 2, thank God, he speaks of those who fear his name, those who are righteous. He says, but those of you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for there will be ashes under the soles of your feet from the day which I'm preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet. We know behold means pay attention. Look at this. Look over here. Behold, I'm about to send you a prophet, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, terrible doesn't always mean bad. Terrible just means, you know, 
It's a big deal, right? Now, if you said terrific, you wouldn't think that was bad. It comes from the same word. It's awe-inspiring. It's, it's, it's great. It's magnificent. You know, when they called Ivan the Terrible, Ivan the Terrible, that was a compliment, not a, not a diss on him. It wasn't, to, to, when they heard Ivan the Terrible, they didn't think Ivan's a bad guy. They just thought he's like, he's a great man. Now, you can have a different opinion. I don't know how many Russians there are in the room, but you can have a different opinion. But when we talk about a terrible day of the Lord, one translation says the great and notable day of the Lord. That, 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 that might soft-foot it a little bit because it is a powerful day. It is a magnificent day. It is a great day. It might be fearsome for some and awe-inspiring for others, depending on which side of the line you're on. But it says this, He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the hearts of the children to the fathers. If you look in the literal Hebrew, you may have a note in the column of your Bible. It literally says he will return or turn. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. So that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. You know, today I, um, it's interesting how this all plays out because you know, this is kind of the, the tact we were taking from last week, this, this idea of God straightening things that were crooked in us and allowing him to straighten the way we think. And in the midst of a culture that's twisted and in the midst of a society that's crooked because we've departed from the ways of the Lord, God's people are meant to walk a different path. We're meant to even not just walk differently, but think differently. And he's the one that makes that straight, amen? His word is the, is the straight path, is the plumb line for us that we look and we say, that's righteous, that's righteousness. And when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all the other things that the world is chasing, God takes care of those things. Our priority is not to seek what they're seeking. Our priority is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if you really think about what seek means, seek doesn't just mean to think about it. It doesn't just mean to desire it. When you seek something, you're acting on that. You're moving towards it. Your life will tell you what you're seeking. Your schedule will reveal what you're seeking. If you're seeking to become famous, you're not just sitting on your couch hoping to become famous. If you're seeking a job at a particular place, you're not just saying, boy, I wish they'd call me up and, t and, and just discover me out of nowhere. No, if you're seeking it, you're putting action behind it. And when we talk about seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, it, it, it starts with our heart. It starts with our heart and our mind, but your feet are going to follow. And what is his righteousness? Well, his righteousness is that straight path that he's talking about. It's the path that he's laid out. And we know that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It grows brighter and brighter until the noonday, the scripture says. And here we see that he's turning hearts back. He's turning hearts back. And we've been talking about what that looks like to have our hearts turned back to God, what it looks like for straight paths to be made in our hearts, the crooked places to be straightened out. And I want you to focus on the one thing he brings out in this Old Testament passage, telling us that John's coming, telling us that the Messiah is coming. The one thing he's focusing on in this passage is the relationship between fathers and their children. Now, I know it says fathers, but uh, you know, if I'm correct in how I read the Old Testament. I don't see a lot of times where it just says parents. So I believe when you read this as fathers that he's talking about fathers and mothers, right? He's talking about the parents. Some people have said, well, you know, 
he'll return us to our fathers. He's talking about the forefathers, the ones that wrote the, the books and all that. But that wouldn't really explain how those fathers' hearts are being turned to their children. They're dead and gone. I believe this is talking about fathers and mothers and children just today and, and in the day he's speaking of. And a lot of times we don't relate that to following Jesus. In, in our society, following Jesus is a very vertical me and Jesus relationship, but you know that that's really not the complete picture that we get in the scripture. Following Jesus without some sort of context in the wider, relation, wider context of the relationships you have. You can't say, I follow Jesus, but I hate his people. You can't say, I follow Jesus, or I know God. John says, if you have somebody that says they know God, but they hate their brother, they're a liar. So, I, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, my relationship with Jesus is good. I don't have a lot of friends. I don't have a lot of people I like. To, I don't like people that much, but I love Jesus. Well, I, I wonder if you've been hanging out with Jesus. Or some sort of character you've created that looks like him. Because John said, when we're around God, if you know God, you will love the brethren. Here's another thought that, that, that is laid out right here. That as our hearts are turned back to God, our hearts are restored to our fathers and our mothers. And our fathers and mothers are restored to their children. Why is that so important before Jesus could come? Why is that so important before this day of the Lord? So there's two events we're talking about. We're talking about the coming of the Messiah. But we're also talking about the great notable day of the Lord, which in the broader sense hasn't taken place yet. And there's something that has to happen. A way must be prepared. Let's skip on to Luke in chapter 1. So that was the last thing that God said in the Old Testament through his prophets. Here's the first thing he says in the New Testament. Once again, if we're going chronologically, because I mean, if you start in Matthew, you're in genealogies. But if you're talking about a timeline, this is the beginning. Was an angel appearing to Zacharias and saying this. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 13, the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. Yet he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Listen to that. He's going to turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Apparently, that's important that their hearts are already turned by the time Jesus begins to come. That their hearts are already pointed in the right direction. He's going to turn many back to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him, before Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's interesting how the angel repeats this Old Testament passage because you notice he, he changes it a little bit. 
He still says the fathers to the children, and mothers, I'm including you in this as well, because I believe the same, the same turning of the heart that God wants to do for fathers, he wants to do for mothers. I know that relationship is different, but those, those, those same things that God is working in us, he's turning our hearts back to the kids. He's turning this generation's hearts back to the generation to, to follow and vice versa. But when he says it here, instead of saying the children back to the fathers, he actually says the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous. He's turning our hearts from a place of disobedience. Now, this is something that my parents taught me when I was a little kid. They said, you know, if you can't obey the voice of your earthly parents, how will you ever obey the voice of a heavenly father you can't see? And of course, my instant thought, and I, I think I was smart enough not to say it, was, well, he's perfect and you're not. <laughs> you know, like I, it's amazing I didn't get slapped. <laughs> One time, right, right in those stairs, right there, you walk down those stairs, I, I should put a, a, a sign marker. I said to my dad, I said, dad, I remember I was, I was being rebellious. I don't remember what the point was. I shouldn't have said it, but I remember saying, Dad, this is like a dictatorship. And he goes, and like I expected to wound his heart. Like, ooh, ah, oh, son, I'm so sorry. And he said, well, it's not a democracy. <laughs> I was like, hey. Oh. Well, I, I, that backfired on me. I, I didn't think that. I have to rethink everything now. What was I going to say? I found as I allowed God to soften my heart towards him, my heart was changed towards my parents. You know, um, in the last years of my teenagehood, um, the Lord had put it on my heart to travel with my parents, travel with my dad as much as I could. You know, I didn't know that I'd only have a few years left with him on this earth. I had no idea. I thought, I thought you know, at this age, I'd still be with him. I didn't know how valuable those years were. But God used those years to shape me in ways that was far beyond learning to preach and far beyond learning how to do ministry, if you want to say it that way. The biggest things I learned was how to honor. The biggest things I learned was how to learn, how to be taught, how to be corrected, how to, how to, how to submit to uh, uh, somebody that was older and wiser and more experienced than me, even when I thought I was right. Because if you've met an 18-year-old, you've met someone who knows everything and is always right. And you should take advantage of that while they're still that age, because they'll lose that soon, you know? I remember having my own ideas, but it taught me something. Because as I learned to do that for an earthly father, I learned to do that with a heavenly father. Like it or not, we can say we submit to God all we want, but submission isn't submission until you disagree. Right? As long as you're doing what God tells you to do and you think it's a good idea, well then, you know, how do you would have done it anyways? But you don't know whether you're really submitted until you do something you didn't want to do. That's when you know you're submitted. And I tell you, that's how I knew I was, I was listening to, to my elder and, and submitting to my elder was that I, I learned how to, I mean, and, 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 and he certainly didn't force the issue. I mean, I had a lot of options. I had, I had chances to back out. But I, I got to tell you, there were times where I said, I don't think this is the way I should go, but I'm going to listen. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to trust God in this. 
And thank God it, it, it paid off. I, I thank God for those years I had with my father. And here in Luke, John's father is being told that his son is going to be one that's going to turn hearts back. And he came not with a soft touch, but with a heavy touch, with a loud voice, uh, probably smelling bad, probably looking bad. But he came with a message of repentance and forgiveness. I think we miss that a lot. John didn't just come with a message of repentance. He came with a message of forgiveness as well. Nobody, there was no precedent for someone saying, I'll dunk you in water and your sins will go away. No Old Testament precedent for that. And yet God gave him in this, this, this age, this season of time, that they'll repent, they'll be baptized, and they'll be cleaned. They'll be ready. wonder what it looks like for our hearts. You know, you think about this Old Testament passage, this passage in Malachi, about hearts being turned, about the father's hearts and the mother's hearts being turned to their kids and the kids' hearts being turned back to their parents, that this is important, this is what's going to stop the land from being smitten with a curse. This is what's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And, and, and you say, well, what does that look like to be turned back? Because, you know, the, these parents aren't neglecting their children. We're not talking about a, a pandemic through Israel of people leaving their kids in the street to play. These people were probably being good parents by society's definition of a good parent. They're probably taking care of the kids. They're probably feeding their kids. But there's a difference between the obligations of a parent and, and fulfilling those obligations and not letting your kid die. There's a difference between that and having a soft heart, allowing your heart to be open to them and likewise their heart to be open to you. Now I speak in this way in terms of natural parents and children, but Boy, you could see this in, in, in the relationship between one generation and another, between leaders and those that follow and all of these things. Listen, I've never had a leader in my life that has not disappointed me at one time or another. Not said, this is what we'll do, and it didn't work out like I thought it would work out. Everyone in my life, I, I have maybe, you know, uh, besides my own father, I've had two really good uh, uh, men in my life that have fathered me in many areas. And you know what? As great as they are, there have been times where I've been disappointed. There have been times where you will be disappointed with those that lead you, with those that, that, that somehow have, have been called to lead you in a way. And you need to learn how to deal with that disappointment without putting blame on the person. You need to learn how to deal with that disappointment without letting your heart be hardened towards them. Just as they've got to learn how to deal with the times you haven't quite lived up to what they thought you were going to live up to. Scripture says, love one another fervently from the heart, for love covers a multitude of sins. If we look at the Greek definition of sin being a missing of the mark, the missing of an expectation, we've all missed each other's marks at times, Right? You've set marks for people. You've set expectations for people, and they let you down. At some point, they will all let you down. At some point, I mean, I don't mean to be cynical up here, but, you know, at some point, somebody's going to miss your mark. So, so let, what's the solution? Is the solution to have no expectation of anybody? Just like, <laughs> you know, I mean, can you imagine if, if you came up and, and, and we had asked you to do something and said, you know, uh, uh, would you share a, a word in front of the church? And uh, maybe you just, maybe you just, you know, you 
tripped over your words or you, 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 you did something that, that everybody wasn't expecting and it didn't pan out well. And if you came up to me and said, you know, I'm sorry that didn't work out that well. I had something planned. I'm sorry it didn't pan out. What if I said to you, oh, it's okay. I didn't expect anything from you anyways. <laughs> you wouldn't be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I have zero expectations of you. My bar for you is so low. You could never disappoint me. I, I literally expect nothing from you. You wouldn't be like, well, thank you so much. That takes the pressure off. You'd feel like he has no respect for me, no honor for me. And yet if I put the bar high, there's not a human being on the planet that's always going to hit the high bar. Right? Do your kids always hit the mark of expectation you have for them? Some of you have amazing kids. Well, thanks. <laughs> no, I know. One time I invited her to a junior high. I invited her and my dad. I thought I was going to get all these awards at junior high. I forgot what year it was. I said, come, you're going to see. I'm going to get all these awards. <laughs> Did not pan out that way. <laughs> they looked at me later and said, where did you get that wrong? Where did you get that, that you were going to get all these awards? I said, I thought I did really well. I just thought this was going to be. We went home empty-handed. <laughs> they learned to live with that disappointment. <laughs> How do you process that disappointment without letting it harden your heart? Without letting it harden your heart. I believe very clearly that uh, the scripture lays out ministry can only be done from an open heart. Grace can only truly be received with an open heart, and it only can truly be given with an open heart. Paul said to the Philippians, he said, uh, I believe that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he says, I know I can say this about you because I have you in my heart, and I long for you with the affections of Christ. Literally, I long for you with the guts of Christ. I don't know if you know what it's like to carry someone in your heart, but it's a very vulnerable thing to do. When you let someone in your heart, they have more potential to hurt you than anyone else in your life. And yet, Paul said this to an entire church. Now, if you just think that the Philippians are just perfect people who never did anything wrong, then this will be a very easy passage for you to digest. But you'll just never find a real-life Practical application for it. But if you believe like I do that the Philippian church included some disappointments, some great people who still made mistakes, some funny, odd people that we somehow found a use for, some people that maybe brought their own baggage to the table and whether purposely or not, let that out on Paul. If you believe that the Philippian church is just an actual church with real people, then you believe when he opened his heart to them, he's opening himself up to potential hurt, to potential damage. But he's got to trust the shepherd and the guardian of his soul that somehow God's not going to allow my heart to be so irreparably, irreparably damaged that I can't love people with an open heart. Carried them in his heart. I want to read you something that Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 13. Speaking of allowing our hearts to be turned, I wonder what it would look like for you. Now listen, I, I believe that 
in this room, we have people that love their parents. We have people that love their kids. But is there room for you to allow your heart to be turned again? Even more so. To the fathers and mothers in your life, to the children in your life. Is there room, even when they're in the wrong, for your heart to be open to them? Friends of mine, pastor in Philadelphia, brother, Pastor Kyle's actually preached here before. I managed to, I was watching a service where he and his wife were kind of discussing relationships. And his wife, Danielle, said something that really stuck with me. She said, um, you know, the scripture says that it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. She said, are you kind when someone has wronged you? Do you have that kindness towards them? Because listen, if it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, that means he was very kind to us when we were wrong. When we were wrong against him, when we were hateful against him, when we were mean, when we were bitter, when we were rebellious, he was kind. When your kids do something that could really breaks your heart, Sometimes they do things that breaks your heart, but they still love you. Sometimes they do things that break your heart, and they look you in the face and say, I don't want anything to do with you. Sometimes you've had parents that have rejected you, have, have, have hurt you. Sometimes you've had leaders that have hurt you. Sometimes you've had this in your life, and, and there, is, there is a wrong done. And there's, there's maybe, at that point, no repentance. There's no, no turning. And, and you want to know, how do I, what do I do with my heart in this process and I, I, I believe that if you would allow God to turn your heart, to work on your heart, to heal your heart, that kindness would flow towards them, even when they're wrong. And the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. Can you be kind even when you're right and they're wrong? Jesus said this to the people or to his disciples after he had told the parable of the sower. He said in Matthew 13, verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return. And I would heal them. They would return, and I would heal them. When we hear the voice of God, when we see what He's showing us, when we understand with our heart, the end product of us seeing, hearing, and understanding, the end product of our eyes being open, our ears being open, and yes, our hearts being open, is a turning. It's always a turning. It's a turning of our hearts. It's a turning of our feet. It's a turning of our eyes. It's a turning of our ears, as the scripture says, incline your ears to the Lord. It's a turning of everything back to Him. And the result of us turning is healing. As we turn to Him, we're healed. 
Now, the problem with these people, listen, you know, Jesus had already done miracles amongst these people. They had been physically healed. So what he's talking about right now is not primarily physical healing. He's talking about something much deeper. He has healing for their hearts. He has healing for their souls. He has what they need, but they can't receive it because they're hardened. And with the hardening of their heart was the closing of the eyes and the closing and the dulling of their hearing. They could no longer hear. We can go through life and show up at church. We can go through life and go to every parent-teacher interview. We can go through life and show up at the kids' soccer game. We can go through life telling people about Jesus. We can do all the right things and still have a hard heart that is not turned towards the direction of our Father. And when we're not turned in that direction, there's no healing. And we'll look and we'll say it's somebody else's fault. And, and this, this is why I'm bitter here. And this is why I've been hurt here. And this is why I've been disappointed here. So I won't allow myself to feel that again. And in the name of guarding our heart, we've closed our hearts. But remember what the scripture says. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the wellsprings of of life. What you're meant to guard against is not hurt. What you're meant to guard against is the stopping up of that well. So if you've closed your heart in the name of guarding your heart, you've lost the very thing you were meant to guard, which is the outflow of the wells of life, the springs of life. Can I say this? Wherever your heart is open to someone, that's when God can minister to these people, and he can minister to you in the same way. If I will open my heart in a relationship, I have a higher probability of them getting close enough to hurt me. But if I open my heart to this person, that's the only true way I can really minister the grace of God to them, the love of God to them. It's the only way it's going to happen. Jesus said, if you would but open your ears, your eyes, your hearts, and, and notice the, the way he puts it in this particular gospel, it, it seems gradual. It's, you know, sometimes we just say, well, they, their hearts closed, their eyes were closed, their ears were closed, as if it were a moment that it happened. But, but look at the, the wording here. He says, the hearts of this people have become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. I think what he's telling us is that there is a gradual progression where we've let things harden us. We've let things cause us to lose that softness, that tenderness of heart to one another. You know, I believe a father and a mother could, could parent a child well by every, by every you know, milestone, by every, every, they could check all the boxes that they're a good parent, they're taking them to school, they're teaching them well, they're working with them, they're spending time with them, and yet over time they've allowed their hearts to be guarded, to be closed. They're, they're not tender-hearted like they used to be. My dad said something to me, and you've heard me say it, but he said something to me that, that I've never forgot. He said, you know, I didn't really know how to be a dad. Because his father was the kind of father who uh, never abused them, never hurt them, never did anything really that we would say was outwardly wrong. And yet his father um, would come home tired from work and not want to spend time with his kids not want to spend time with his wife even. By the time my dad was born, he was the baby of the family. He was seven years. Was he seven years younger than Aunt Cindy? Maybe nine. 
nine years younger than the last sibling. And so his, his father was tired. He, would, he just wanted to sit by himself, let the kids go play. I just need my alone time. He's a quiet man. My dad said, I don't know how to be a dad. I'm learning how to be a dad from my heavenly father. And there were times where he said, look, I'm, I'm, make, I'm learning this as I go. And I had to have some grace for the times where, you know, maybe I had expectations that were not met. But, you know, I did have a good father. I thank God that he gave that, that effort. He opened his heart to say, I don't know everything, but I'm going to open my heart to my children and let God work through that relationship. There were times I know I disappointed my mom. She won't admit it now because she's in church. <laughs> She'll tell you all the nice things I did, but truly I did. There's times I did that. How does a mom keep that tenderness that is a gift from the Lord? How does a mom say, as Lemuel's mom said, that a woman who fears the Lord, someday her kids are going to talk about her at the gate. Someday people are gonna, her kids are going to rise up and call her blessed. And children, it's a responsibility on us as honorable people to honor even when we feel like someone's not worthy of honor. What makes you honorable is that you show honor, not that you deserve honor. Right? We honor those above us. We honor those that we deem below us. We honor those all around us. One preacher said, and I, it stuck with me, he said, um, he said, when I'm talking about honoring people around me, he says, one of the ways I do that is he says, I celebrate who they are, and I don't get caught up on what they're not. Celebrate who they are. And don't get too hung up on what they're not. We're able to honor one another. Grace works through honor. God works through honor. In fact, when the people could not honor Jesus, he could do no mighty work there. Unbelief was present when there was dishonor. I want to read you something from 2 Corinthians 6 as we begin to close here. 2 Corinthians 6.11 he says, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. Now, if you've read the letter that this is written in, anybody read 2 Corinthians? I would not open my heart wide to these people. They got issues, and you got them too. These are not the friendliest people sometimes. They believe some lies. They've They've allowed some people to come in that have really hurt Paul. Really said some things to damage his ministry. They've had some issues that have uh, would threaten to destroy fellowship. We know that Paul felt it because, in fact, he says there was a point where he's in another place and God opened wide a door for ministry. He said, a wide open door was open for me, but I could not go through it because I had no rest in my spirit because Titus hadn't come to me yet. Well, why is that important? Because Titus was the one who was going to come and tell them how the Corinthian church was doing. Understand this, Paul had an open door. He could not walk through it because he's so worried about these guys. You might say, Get rid of the zeros and get with the hero. Let these guys go. But he knew that God put them in my heart. 
He says, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians, our heart is opened wide. You can only truly minister from an open heart. You can only truly receive ministry from an open heart. You can only parent in the grace of God with an open heart. You can only truly honor your father and mother with an open heart. He says this, you are not restrained by us. You're not kept small by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now in a like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. In a like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. He says, you may think that we're stopping you from being who you are supposed to be. You may think that we're the ones holding you back, but he said, what's really holding you back is you've not allowed your heart to be open. Maybe you wonder why this, there are relationships in your life that don't seem to have any life in them. And I don't believe every relationship in your life needs to be in your life. I think there are some where you just say, I love you, I bless you, but that was a season and this is a season. But there are some where God has put these people in your heart. Today, we're thinking of parents, we're thinking of mothers, we're thinking of children, and, and those relationships never really go away. And you may never have to obey them like you did as a child, because it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. But you still have to honor them. You don't honor them because they deserve honor, because Paul said, I mean, actually, I'm, I should quote Peter. Peter said, honor the emperor when the emperor was Nero. A pretty dishonorable guy by any standard. I mean, when a man is using your friends as lampposts at his party, maybe he's not the, the guy you really want to honor. When he's feeding your friends, your brothers, your sisters to lions, why would you say honor this man? Because we are people of honor. Honor does not mean they're right. Honor doesn't mean they're perfect. Honor means I am allowing God to position my heart rightly so that I honor God by honoring this person. And there are other relationships in your life where it's not just about honor. It's about true, open-hearted relationship where God has put people in your life to be mothers and fathers to you. He's put people in your life that you would mother and father. He's put people in your life that would be brothers and sisters to you. And you have every reason in the world to harden your heart by the world's standards. Because nobody who's ever been to church for more than one year has avoided being offended. Or I should say has avoided giving, having a reason to be offended. Hopefully you're not allowing yourself to be offended. But you've had reasons. Maybe your kids have given you reason to say, I don't expect quite the same thing of them anymore. Maybe that relationship has been hardened. I wonder what it took for the prodigal son's father to show up at the road every day and look for him. Right? Because when the prodigal son finally came home, his dad was there, waiting, looking. Can you imagine how many times he had to travel to that road and be disappointed? How many times he had to look out at that road and not see his son? What does it take for a man 
to wait there at the road for his kid to come home. And when his kid finally comes home, not to berate him, not to, not to get down on him, not to be bitter towards him, but rather to embrace him, have a heart wide open and say, let's throw a party for, your, for this boy. And when he's in the process of saying, dad, I don't deserve to be your son, he shuts him up and says, stop talking. Let me put a robe on you. Let me put a ring on you. Let me give you your place as a son. What does it take for a parent to do that? Some of you mothers have been praying for your kids longer than they've been alive. Before they were conceived, you were praying for them. When they were in the womb, you were praying for them. When they were kids, you were praying for them. When they went out into the world, some of them served the Lord and some of them didn't. Sometimes it would be much easier for you to just say, I just don't expect much of them anymore. I'm just happy if I see them at Thanksgiving. I wonder if you'd allow God to turn your hearts back to a place where he can use that relationship to give and receive life. For us kids, some of you have had certain experiences with your parents. Maybe they didn't meet your expectations. Maybe they let you down. Maybe there were times where they didn't know how to be what they needed to be. For the sake of your kids, for the sake of generations to come, you need to figure out that relationship. In fact, that's the wrong words. You need to let God heal that place in your heart. Some of us say, if God would heal me, then I would turn my heart. But the way he words it is, if you would turn your heart, then I would heal you. I'm asking you today to allow God to turn your heart back to him, back to the fathers and mothers in your life, Back to the children in your life. Allow God to turn your heart, open your heart, and heal your heart. Could we live with hearts wide open, not just to God, but to one another? Yes, there'll be many more opportunities to be hurt, to be damaged, to be bitter. But if you trust that you have a guardian, you have a shepherd, you have a father who cares for your heart more than you do, then you entrust your soul to a God who judges righteously. And say, he would not allow me to be damaged beyond repair. In fact, he's the healer of broken hearts. I want to pray as we just um, come to this, this end of this part of the service. Particularly this morning, for those of you who have kids that have grown up and have gone away, gone a direction that you didn't want them to go. I want to pray because I know there's disappointment in that, and, and that's, there's nothing unnatural about being disappointed in that area. You want them to serve the Lord. You trained them up in the ways of the Lord. Or maybe you came to know the Lord after they had already grown. There's a care for them that you have. There's a place in your heart that you hold them in, and maybe you've been praying for them for quite some time. I want to pray that God would redeem what's lost, that God would heal those places in your heart, that God would allow that relationship to be a source of life to your child. I know that we have several in the room today, and I don't know everybody, but I believe that there's several in the room today that you have kids that have gone a different direction. I want you to believe. Some of you mothers are the prayer warriors we all wish we could be. Some of you have loved them with a love that Seems quite impossible to muster up 
were it not for the grace of God within you. Now I'm asking that God would restore your hope. She would not lose heart. She would not lose hope. That your heart would be turned to them. And your heart would be open to what God is doing in their life. And what God's doing in your own heart that he'd heal it. Lord, we thank you for those kids that you gave to us. Children are a gift from the Lord. I thank you for these godly mothers and fathers today who've stood, who've prayed, who've loved, and maybe they look and say, I should have done things different. I wish I had done things different. But we know, Lord, that when we truly walk in your repentance, there is no regret. There's, as you said, there's zeal, there's hope, there's life. That despite what we may have done or not done, you are the one who makes things right again. Lord, I ask that you bring healing to that relationship. That you heal the broken places. You make the crooked places straight. Lord, I, I'm asking you right now, just as the prodigal son came to his senses, Lord, that those kids would come to their senses. In Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for those of you whose parents, maybe a mother, maybe a father, but you've, you've grown distant from them. That relationship's been damaged. Maybe, maybe they weren't who they needed to be. Maybe they were and it still went wrong. I'm going to ask that the Lord would show you how to honor them at this stage of life. How to show them honor, how to give them honor. How to love them, how to, how to just love them with a wide open heart again. No matter how they might have let you down, no matter how much, much they may have caused you to, to, to feel hardened, or no matter how much you might have hurt them and you feel shame because of it, all of that comes back to what Jesus bore on the cross. He took our guilt. He took our shame. And it was that same Savior on the cross that did not just forgive those people that put him there. He actually asked his Father to forgive them. So great was his love. So great was his mercy. God, I pray for those parents that we hold dear, those mothers and fathers, some who don't know you, some who do. Lord, we make a decision today to forgive where we've been wronged, where we've perceived that we've been wronged, where we've been hurt, where we may have been damaged. Lord, I pray that you would heal these places. You would make them whole again. You would redeem what was lost and you would restore that relationship, Lord. Bring life to those places in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, you are faithful. Faithful is he who called us. Faithful you will be to bring it to pass. In a moment, we're going to actually pray and bless the mothers here. But before we do that, I, I, I've, asked, I've asked my wife um, to just say a few words. She's, and I kind of put her on the spot and said, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. But Tia, would you come and just share some things with us? It's so huge to honor, and I know there's times where it's just not easy. Do you need your stuff? Okay. Um, the Lord's been stirring me leading up to today, and a lot of stuff was confirmed in the message. Um, so um, I believe there are a lot of us that are easily hurt, 
And we've come to find that it's just our normal way of life. Um, it's just same cycles keep happening over and over again. And um, whether you were hurt by someone where you felt very justified for feeling hurt and you held on to that hurt, um, whether it was meant in a harsh way or not, I believe we won't take it like the enemy wants us to take it and feed onto it in a wrong way and bring us into something it just should never go into is all because we don't know our true identity in the Lord. We might have little tastes of it. Some of us might think, oh, I totally know who I am. But I think a lot of times it just gets masked with everything that happens in life. And we just start to get buried. And um, it's just such a huge thing once we truly start to find our identities in Christ and allow him to continue to show us. I mean, there's just so much to each of us, so many layers to how God created us. Every one of us is so unique. And like Jonathan said earlier, how you know you feel like maybe you didn't match up to someone's expectations. And um, a lot of us, I'm not saying all of us, but you know, I've fallen into the trap where I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm trying to live up to what I think so-and-so wants me to live up to. Even if they're thinking what I think they're thinking or not, um, it's like I get caught in that trap of I want to live up to those expectations because I'm tired of feeling like not good enough and lost, totally lost. Like, who am I? If I knew who I was, it wouldn't bother me. And, and so it just all comes down to, God, what are your expectations for me? And he does it in such love. And, you know, it's not like this bossy, like, you should be this, this, and this, and harsh. It's just, it's so loving and it's so graceful. And he's the one that created us. So, of course, he would know exactly how to bring us into that, whatever the world has tried to, to take out. Um, and, uh, so I think some of you have probably heard this quote, have courage and be kind. And, um, it's, it's such a journey as we get to know ourselves in the Lord to actually have the courage to live that out, no matter how it seems. It's like, I feel embarrassed possibly to be the texture you created me to be like, okay, I'm, I'm loving who I'm, I, like, I'm getting to know myself, and I'm loving who I'm finding, but at the same time, I almost feel embarrassed because it seems so different from so many other people, and, um, and so it's, it's having courage in what he has placed in every one of us, and as we do have the courage to do that, even if it rubs people the wrong way, um, it's better to be free in that rather than closing yourself off because even if it rubs people the wrong way at first, um, it could be a real blessing to them later. Um, so I think it's so huge to keep ourselves open to that and not let fear dictate us day by day and not even realizing what we're in. Um, I have a scripture reference that is just speaking really strongly to me. Um, and it's Galatians 2, and uh, starting in verse 19, and it's uh, from the message. What actually took place is this. 
I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so that I could be a God's man or be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but is, it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to go back on that. It is not clear, is it not clear to you that to go back to that old, old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an, an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. That verse gets me emotional. <laughs> I just think it's so powerful, and I, I love how this reference puts it. You know, it, it makes it so personal. <laughs> and, uh, and even if there are people in our lives that aren't trying to put us in a box, um, I find that once we know who we are, we aren't so hurt. We aren't so lost. And what's the matter with me? And then we cut off from people around us. We cut off that connection. We cut off that love. And we aren't turning to each other anymore. We're disconnecting. We're turning away. And uh, I'll just end on this note. Uh, God gave me a revelation um, quite a few months ago. And I was in a place where I was just getting hurt left and right. And I just thought it was normal. And, uh, so that's just how I lived my life. And I just started building walls. And then as I began to open my heart up to the Lord, I'm like, wait, I notice I need healing. There's something not right here. Um, he began to show me, this is what you do when you're hurt, whether someone just said something stupid um, or, you know, maybe they meant it harshly. No matter what it was, it doesn't matter. What you do time and time again, and the enemy has known that this works, um, is you'll immediately go into, what's the matter with me? And I'm not aware of anything that's going on around me. And God wants us to be aware of the lives around us. The enemy wants to destroy. The enemy wants to divide. And... When, we, when we're so confused as to who we are, we immediately go into questions of, there's something wrong with me, and we start beating ourselves up and doing all sorts of nonsense to ourselves. But it's so cool, um, once I got that revelation, I've started to look around. I'm hurt less. And, you know, there's things that pop up here and there, and it's like, oh, you know, old Tia, that would have hurt me. Um, you know, a year or so, uh, or so ago, but now, you know, it, it doesn't. But even if there are those moments where I do feel a little bit of hurt, like, oh, that didn't feel good, I don't go into what's the matter with me, because it's like, God, I, I want to continue to walk into who you have for me to be, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't want to be so me-focused, like, he's bringing me into, oh, that person is hurt, like, 
God, you know, not in a judgmental way, like, what's the matter with you? It's God giving us revelation and wisdom as to how to pray for that person or how to love on them Um, because you just don't know what they're going through. They might not be having a hard time at all, but what if they are and we just close off and, and back off and that person is never quite helped? And, you know, that's the body of Christ we're supposed to connect. We're supposed to be these puzzle pieces coming together and, and turning to each other. And, uh, and you know, we need to be encouraging and all that. But it all just starts with our relationship with him. The more time we spend with him, the more we know who we are. We're less hurt and we are more productive for him. So, um, I just think it's so huge. You know, we're blessing the mothers today. Um, but it's, it's just so huge to talk about full families coming together and you know even even some that um, aren't part of a big family it's like this is our big family you know we're all together so um, I think it would be wonderful if uh, if any of you that have been um, dealing with hurts questions of yourself Um, hurts about other people, feeling like a failure, feeling like you missed the mark. If any of you need healing in this area, I would just love it if you would come forward, be bold, and step out, and have courage to live out that life that God has with no fear, no fear of rejection, because as long as He approves, which He loves you, it's all good. If anybody rejects you, it's okay. You can continue to love. So if any of you need prayer and you need healing in your hearts in these areas, please come forward and we would love to pray for you.